Do you struggle with negativity? My guess is is that you probably do. And if you don't, if you're completely clean of that sin, you know people who do. So you take good notes this morning. Uh, Newsweek magazine in 2009, in one of their articles, they, uh, they listed a statistic which was phenomenal. They said in the year 2000, there were 50 new books that came out specifically about happiness. 50. 2008, there were 4,000 books that came out specifically about happiness. So somewhere in that eight-year gap, there was a 3,500 increase in our unhappiness. You know, read those books. I'm sure a lot of them are good, but I want to tell you, we're going to look at one verse this morning, Philippians 4, 8, that if we would take it and let it sink from our head to our heart, swallow it and do it, it would change our lives. It would certainly change our happiness uh, level. So we're going to talk about our thoughts today, and I want to begin with this. This is the fundamental thing. My thoughts direct my life. Did you know that? Your thoughts direct your life. How you think, what you ponder on, uh, what you focus on mentally affects your, it directs your life. In Philippians 4 a, finally, brothers, I'm in the English Standard Version this morning. It says, whatever is true, Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if anything is excellent, if there's anything of this worthy of praise, think about these things. The word think means to ponder on. It means to, to occupy your mind with these things, to, to dwell on them. And, and the, one of the, the things this verse is trying to let us see, and I think the Bible lets us see, is what we focus on, what we think upon, determines our life. I have mentioned this book. I think I mentioned it two weeks ago. You really ought to get this book and you ought to read it. It, it, The title of it is Switch on Your Brain. It's written by a lady who's a scientist and also a, a devout Christian. Her name is Dr. Carolyn Lee. Listen to what she says about our thought process in our, in our mind. Every cell in your body connects to your heart. Your brain controls your heart. And your mind controls your brain. Your thinking affects, literally has an impact on every single cell in your body. Dr. Eric Candle is a Nobel Peace Prize winning neuropsychiatrist. Listen to what he said. This is absolutely phenomenal. Our thoughts, what we think on, what we dwell on, literally affects our DNA in our bodies. By our thinking and by our thought processes, we can turn on and turn off genes in our biological system. Is that not just completely phenomenal? Folks, for years, scientists believed that our minds were static. In other words, you couldn't really affect your mind or impact it. God's always said that's not true. I'm going to always go with God. But here's what neuroscience is saying today. No, your, your mind is what they, they use the term neuroplasticity, that it's moldable and changeable. Folks, that you can rewire your brains and the neural pathways in your brains, not just by LSD or some drug, but by the patterns of your thought life. Isn't that cool? I remember reading an article from a psychiatrist in, in Shreveport several years ago. Here's what he said about your thoughts. I don't know if he's a Christian or not, but he's right on target. What you think about affects your energy. It affects your 
your, your, your emotions. It affects how you feel. In other words, your, your thought life affects everything in your body. The Jewish rabbis used to say that the mind is the seedbed of the soul. Now, let me tell you something that's really cool. If you're an atheist today, I can show you where I, I've got all that document. I can show you the research on that, which is really cool. If you're a Christian, here's what's fabulous. It's neuroscience is just catching up with Jesus. Isn't that great? See, that's what the Bible's been teaching all along. In Matthew 12, Jesus told these people, he goes, look, man, you, if, you're a, if you're vulgar and you're vile or you're sweet and you're kind and you're encouraging, that doesn't come out of anywhere. That comes from your heart. That comes from your mind. That comes from within inside. Who, what you think about directs and determines your life. In Romans 12 too, listen to what the Bible says. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. 2,000 years ago, Jesus was teaching neuroscience lessons. That when you change your thoughts and you change your mind, you change your life. Ephesians 4, 23, it says, and to be made renewed in the spirit of your mind. Folks, listen to me. Your thought life and what you dwell on directs your life. It absolutely does. How you feel, how you talk, what you do, and how you respond is a product largely of what you think about and what you dwell upon. Your thoughts direct your life. So here's, here's some things that flow from this. I got to put the right things in my mind. I need to put the right things in my mind. If my mind and my thoughts direct my life, I need to make sure that I'm having the right things put into my mind. Verse 8, that, that's one of the things he's talking about here. Is finally, brothers, what's true, noble, honorable, right, lovely, worthy of praise. Think, dwell on these things. Get these things in your mind. Do you, do you know what the word fast means? I'm not talking about like he is a fast runner, but like if someone goes on a fast, what that means, that means that they do without something. And, and about four months ago, I had to make a decision. I almost had to go completely on a news fast. I used to watch the news about an hour in the evening, and then I noticed that I started shooting my pistol at the television and screaming, and I didn't really, but it was messing with me. To, to hear the same thing over and over and over, the negativity, the negativity. Maybe as soon as the election's over on that Wednesday, I'll be able to watch the news again. I don't know. But I realized what I'm putting in my mind is impacting my life. This statistic came out this June, and everybody denies how much TV they watch. But this statistic said in America, the average adult watches five hours of television a day. Now, I would imagine that would include what you're watching on your phone, what you're Netflix, what you're watching on your iPad. Five hours a day, that's 35 hours a day that we are putting something, 35 hours a week, excuse me, uh, into our, into our, that'd be a lot, wouldn't it? 35 hours a day that we are putting into our system. Now, now folks, most people, you made a decision to come to church this morning, which is so awesome. We're so honored you came here. If you came today and, and I come back next week, come back Wednesday, that's one or two hours a week. Think about this. If you're coming to church once a week, you're getting one hour. I, I hope it's very positive, a music, a praying, a fellowship, a preaching. And then you're getting 34, 35 other hours of other stuff. Not all TV's bad, not all, certainly not all internet's bad, but some of it's neutral and some of it's not good. What are we putting into our mind? Kurt, Kurt Van Zandt was an FBI profiler for 25 years. And a, a profiler looks for and finds and identifies serial killers, murderers, those kind of people. And 
He said hundreds of times when he would sit down with someone they caught that had done something absolutely horrible, and they would ask this person, where in the world did you come up with the idea to do what you did to those people? Over and over again, you know what they said? I saw it on TV or I saw it in the movie. What we put into our mind is absolutely huge. So here's a challenge. If your thoughts direct your lives, be careful what you put in your mind. Be careful what you watch. Be careful what you let your young ones watch. Be careful the music you listen to. Be be careful and, and selective in the books that you read. Read the Bible. Come to church. Listen to positive things. Put put good, clean, positive stuff in your mind. Because what comes in is going to come out. If your thoughts direct your life, you need to be intentional about what you let into your mind. Here's another thought that flows from this. Boy, this is big too. I can choose my thoughts. Have you ever thought about that? See, most of us feel like we're a victim of what we think. We're a victim of our thoughts. That, and I understand that some people need medicine, you need therapy to help get your thoughts under control. But in verse 8, and we're going to look at it in more detail in just a second, so I won't read it again. But basically what he's telling them is you have a choice in the things you think about. You have a choice in the things you dwell upon and, and that you focus on. Did any of y'all see the movie Beautiful Mind? Do you? Beautiful Mind is a true story of a brilliant uh, Nobel Peace Prize winner named Dr. John Forbes Nash. Dr. Nash was a, was a scientist, a brilliant man, and early in his, his career, he was diagnosed with schizophrenia. Now, if you don't know what schizophrenia is, it's a, it's a tough mental disorder. And this was back years ago, and the medicine that he had to take was very difficult on him. He basically had to quit teaching. He basically had to check out as a dad. He basically had to check out as a husband. He said, I've lost my life. And he said, and I, don't, I don't know if he's a Christian or not, because we would say you want to cling to Jesus in this too. But here's what Dr. Nash said. I'm going to regain my life by choosing to think the right things. And, and by making a choice, and he continued to take medicine, but as making a choice that he was going to choose to focus on the right things, he was able to go back to MIT, which is, by the way, a fairly prestigious place to teach at, uh, to go back there to teach, to regain his marriage, to regain his relationship with his family. Here's what he, he was asked later. Do you ever still see things that aren't there? That's a, that's a symptom of schizophrenia. Do you ever still hear voices when there's no one talking to you? You know what he said? He said, I do. He said, I still hear the voices and I still see things that aren't there. They said, well, how do you deal with it? He goes, I choose not to acknowledge them. Isn't that awesome? I make a choice that I'm not going to think about that or focus on that. I know it's very difficult. I know this whole sermon, this whole topic is very difficult. But God has given you the ability to, to think, listen, to think about your thoughts, to catch your thoughts, to observe your thoughts, to stop your thoughts. Dr. Viktor Frankl is a, wrote a book, another book I would recommend to It's called Man's Search for Meaning. Dr. Frankl was a psychiatrist. And he, he uh, lived in Europe. He was also a Jewish man during the World War II era. He was captured by the Nazis, and he spent three years of his life in concentration camps, even in the, the terrible in Auschwitz for a while. When he got out, he was down to 90 pounds. He was a full-grown man, 90 pounds, and he had seen thousands and thousands of people die. And he was asked after he recovered, what was the key to success? Or what is one thing you really gleaned from your experience in, in the concentration camps? He said, people can take away everything from you except, and we would say except Jesus, 
But he also said this. He said, accept your ability to choose your attitude, to choose your thoughts. Nobody can make you think or have an attitude you don't want to have. Listen, if you can make that decision in a concentration camp, most of us can make that this morning. Huge life-changing decision. You and I can choose the thoughts that go into our head, choose the things we occupy our mind with. So let's go to this thing. This is a thrust of the passage. Let's choose to be positive. Let's choose to think positively. I want to tell you, this week as I began to work on this sermon, I think the devil jumped on me with both of his hoofs, or all four hoofs. And he stuck me with his horns and pitchfork because it just seemed like, not tragedy things like people have tragedies, but just everything that could make me want to be negative and get me off track just kept boom, boom, boom. Devil ever do that to y'all? The devil is so good at what he does. He is a, I'm going to be positive. He is a great devil, isn't he? He really is. He's a great devil. So I know this is hard. So you're going, how can I be positive? I work with idiots. My roommate's driving me crazy. My spouse, whatever. (laughs) I have a great pastor, but the rest of the staff, they're morons. I mean, I understand your struggle and your pain. It's tough sometimes. How do you you stay positive? Here's here's one guy. This is a a Korean man during the Korean War. He's a teenager, and he worked for the American Army. His job was he lived with some officers, and he was their cook. He cleaned for them. He basically took care of them while they were in Korea. They teased him relentlessly. They would nail his sandals to the floor so when he'd get up in the morning to get his sandals on, he couldn't. He cooked. They would grease the knobs on the stoves and things, and he would get it. They just teased And he always laughed, and he always had a great spirit. And finally, they realized, we've just teased him too much. And they said to him, they go, man, you've had such a great attitude. You're always so positive. We've teased you, and, and we're sorry, and, and we're not going to tease you anymore. He spoke broken English. He goes, no more nail sandals to floor? I said, no, we will not nail your sandals to the floor anymore. No more grease stove? And no, no, we won't grease stove. And he laughed. He goes, me no more spit in your soup. <laughs> Sometimes the only way to be positive is to spit in their soup. Amen. God gives us a better way. Look in verse 8. I want you to focus on these things. Brian, put the verse on the screen. We're going to walk through these things. I know this is tough, but God never calls us to do anything that we can't do. And by the way, the harder the thing to do, the more reward with it. Did you hear me? It is not difficult to resist. I mean, excuse me. It's very difficult to resist donuts. But I was going to say, you know, I got some donuts in my office, and I'll be honest with you, I'm going I'm to get one when this is over. I've drained my sugar. I need it. That's not tough. It's tough to push the donut aside and eat spinach, isn't it? Not very smart either, but it's tough. This is tough, but it's doable. Let's walk through these adjectives that are listed here. Number one, he says, focus on what's true. What that means is what's real, what's genuine. Listen, a lot of times we're focusing on fantasies. We're focusing on what could happen. Uh, and that you, you should plan and prepare, but we're focused on the wrong things. Focus on reality. And this is truth as in God's truth. Two plus two equals four is truth. But this is focusing mainly on God's truth and God's reality. Focus on what's true. The next word, man, this, if you're taking notes, this is a great word, honorable. It means focus on what's majestic, what's awe-inspiring. Think about what's positive and good in others and in your situation. Let me pause and say this. This is not silly. 
This is not, I'm blind, I'm going to cover my eyes and I never see any problems. You go home today, the pastor said to be positive, the burglar breaks in the house. Oh, that's a beautiful mask you have on. That's a nice gun you're pointing at me. You have it really, but no, this isn't being silly. I mean, you, you, you got you to gotta ground your kids. You got to correct your parents occasionally. Amen. Uh, you're a coach or a teacher. You have to get on to people. You're a boss. You have to fire people. But what he's saying is, is you, you, you deal with the hard things, you deal with them properly, but the focus of your life, the focus of your thoughts is on what's good, what's awe-inspiring, what's positive. Next, he w- uses the word just. That's what's right. That's innocence. That's what's fair. Again, it's conforming to God's standards. So I'm going to focus on truth and God's truth. I'm going to focus on what's good, what's positive. I'm going to focus on what's just and what what conforms to God's way of thinking. The next word is the word pure. It means clean or undefiled. It means unpolluted. And it means exactly what this world needs to hear today. It means you don't focus on nasty things. You don't dwell on vulgar things. Years ago, I mean, this was a long time in another state, a friend of mine had an affair. Split up marriages. It was a disaster. It was humiliating for everybody. And later on, they, there was some, I think, really good things recovery made. But I remember sitting down and talking to this guy. I said, what happened? I said, did you get out of church? And this person's a Christian. He said, no, I was going to church every week. I was serving. I was active. I said, did you, did you quit reading your Bible and praying? No. I, I prayed regularly. I read my Bible. He said, I got too close to this female. And I shouldn't have. I mean, we got to be a little bit too buddy-buddy. And he said, I fought it, but I kept giving in to it. And I'm just going to be blunt with you. He said, I started thinking about having sex with her. And I started undressing her in my mind, and I think that that was what she was doing to me. And we never intended for it to happen, and then, boom, it happened. See, you're doing stuff with your thoughts. Well, pornography's harmless. No, it's not harmless. My goodness, there's a thousand things it's doing, but it's reworking your mind. It's reworking your brain. In Matthew 5, that's why Jesus said, don't hate people in your heart because if you hate people in your heart, hate is not equal to murder socially, but hate is what can lead to murder. Don't lust in your heart. It's sin. It's not equal socially to adultery, but what it is is it is going to cause you to go down the wrong path. When he says focus on what's pure, God is not a killjoy. God just doesn't want me to look at bad stuff on the internet because he loves you. He doesn't want you doing that. Focus on what is pure. Okay, the next word here, lovely, great word. Focus on what is friendly towards others, loving and enduring, and the, the commendable, what a great, what's well spoken of, a good report, what's admirable. Focus on what's admirable in people. Have you ever known people, if there's a hundred good things and one bad, they'll find the bad. Have you ever known that person? <laughs> and then you, you know that rare person, if there's a hundred bad things, they can find the one good. You, you see, I'm going to pause and preach a mini sermon. A lot of times negative people think they're smarter than everybody else. Have you ever noticed that? Because they, 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 they see things we don't see. No. A lot of times positive people see it. And we'll deal with it. They just don't dwell on it. You're not better or smarter because you're negative. In fact, I would say you're more sinful is what you are. He says, focus on anything that is excellent or praiseworthy. 
that that pleases God, that's virtuous. The word praise means anything that you can praise again. You're not closing your eyes. You're not being silly. You're not ignoring problems. But God's saying what the focus of your life should be, the focus of your mind is on what's good and what's positive and what's uplifting. If you're going bald, focus on that your head shines and it looks good. Get hair plugs. I want to get a toupee. My wife won't let me, but... I'd freak out if I came up next week with an Afro toupee, wouldn't you? Look, look for what's good is what God is saying. Folks, this isn't pie in the sky, man. This is real world stuff. Charles Swindoll is a great preacher and writer in Dallas, Texas. And I love something he said. He goes, man, I, as a pastor, as a, and he's a professor, a, a teacher, he goes, so many times I'm dealing with idiots. I'm dealing with people that drive me crazy. And I get back to my office and I have to kick my desk and I'm so negative. Then I remember Philippians 4, 8. And he goes, I've got to turn my mind around because it's going to take me down. Your thoughts direct your lives. God's saying, get on a positive plane. Get on a positive uh, direction with your thoughts. That psychiatrist I quoted earlier was talking about depression in that article. And depression can have, uh, it, it can have several roots. You, you may need medicine. You may need talk therapy. Absolutely. But one thing that's always with depression is negative thinking. You can't be negative and expect to feel positive. You can't be negative and expect to be happy and joyful. And this psychiatrist said, one way I treat people is I tell them, you've got to change your thoughts. You've got to redirect your thoughts and patterns to become positive. It doesn't happen overnight, but it does. Dr. Henry Cloud is a great Christian psychologist, and he has written recently about how that when a person habitually develops the pattern of thinking positive, it begins to release dopamine, the feel-good chemical in their brain, and it makes them feel happier, it makes them feel healthier, and makes them react better. Listen, God knew this 2,000 years ago. Isn't that cool? What an awesome thing. And by the way, it makes you prettier. Have you ever noticed that? It makes you more attractive. Man, I know how hard this is. And it's not something you go home and you try this afternoon and you say it doesn't work. It's a lifestyle. It's a commitment of your lifestyle. But you know the reason so many churches and Christians is that we're doing so poorly is we are self-righteous, but we're just negative, unhappy people. Who wants that? Choose the positive. How many of you know who, who Thomas Edison was? You know who Thomas Edison was? I mean, the fact that we have light bulbs, I think we can thank Brother Tom there. Edison was brilliant, he was very persistent, and he was known to be extremely optimistic. If he made an experiment and he failed 2,000 times, I don't know about you, I'd be looking for a bridge to jump off of. Thomas Edison said, I just found 2,000 ways it doesn't work, let's go to 2001. When he was in his late 60s, he had a, his factory. He called it his invention factory. It was actually 14 buildings. The biggest building where the main work happened was the size of three football fields. You think about this the next time you're at Cedar Creek or at Tech or at Ruston. Look at that football field. Three foot. That's gigantic. Late 60s, one night, it, it implodes in fire. And it's not going to be put out. I mean, the buildings aren't going to be saved. Here's what Thomas Edison, he's sitting there watching it burn. He tells his kids, go get your mama and tell her she's never going to see a fire like this again. (laughs) He's in his late 60s. I don't know about you. I buy a Cuban cigar and I move to Florida and I surf the rest of my life. Well, I don't surf. I float on the surfboard. 
Thomas Edison said, I'm not retiring. I'm going to live to be 100. I've got way too much work to do. He rebuilt the factory. He worked 17 more years. Time Magazine named him the man of the millennium. Wouldn't you like to have that in your office? David Castor, what's that plaque on your wall? Man of the millennium. Uh, that is, that'd be a pretty good honor. And part of it was, is he was so positive. If you're not a Christian, you become a Christian today. I'm going to share with you. Here's what we have as a Christian. Why can you be positive today if you're a believer? You die today, we're going to cry and be sad. But you know what? You're going to heaven. That's going to be awesome. I like what someone told me years ago. When we get to heaven, we're going to want to know why did we exercise and eat right all these years. It's going to be so wonderful. And if we, as we live, we got God in us. He's with us. He says, no matter what happens, if you'll stay with me, I'll work it out for the best and your best. You know what? That's some pretty good stuff, isn't it? No, it's not. It's really not. It's awesome. I want to challenge you, as hard as this is, let's choose to do what God says here. Will you pray with me? If you're a Christian, I believe God's given us a pretty good challenge today of what we need to do, and I pray you'll you'll decide to do that. If you're not a Christian... No matter how positive you are, you're not going to be right with God until you surrender your heart to him. And I want to challenge you today. If you're ready to do this, pray with me. Pray with me and just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to repent of my sins. And Jesus, I accept that you're God's son and that you died and rose for me. Come into my heart, Jesus. And I surrender my life to you. Let me have your attention. Here's our challenge now is to respond to what God said to us. Maybe you just asked Jesus into your heart. Are you ready to do that? You can talk to me. I'll be down at this door, one of our ministers after church. Or, or you can, when we stand, you can come today. And give your life to Christ. Come and do that. Maybe you're here today and you'd like to join our church. You can do that after church. Or when we stand, you you can come today and join us. You need a positive Christ lifting up church that's going to love you. And I think we're that place. Come and join us if God's leading you to. Christian, what's our excuse going to be? We're going to wait till we hear this sermon again in three years or five years or ten years or till we're in the hospital or whatever. Are we going to decide right now to spend the rest of our lives seeking to be the most positive people we can be? It's your choice. It's an obedience to God choice, by the way. Let's make it. Let's stand. You come now as we sing.